Welcome back to the Sharon Fitzmaurice podcast and episode 96. And my guest this week is Rob Dudgeon. Rob is a personal trainer, mental health and well-being coach living in Dublin, but hailing from Galway. His passion for well-being stemmed from his own painful struggles and adversity for over three decades. His purpose is now to use his experiences and education to help others. Rob, you're very welcome. Pleasure, and I'm, I'm really appreciative that you asked me as well. And I'm, it's always nice to have a good chat with people that you respect and oh. hopefully give a value to other people along the way. You absolutely will, Rob. Um, I know I connected with you on Instagram some time ago, and I don't get always online to read people's things, you know, but when I do, mm. it always makes me stop in my tracks. And you were somebody that I felt really kind of stood out you know, in the well-being, I suppose, mental health arena, if you want to put it like that, because there's many huge big names out there, you know, and I think we can try and live up to their glorious fame, if you want to say that. But I like to come back to ground and I'm very humble and I like people that are also humble and I like people that are around the area you know, and I know them and I try to support Irish people as much as possible on the podcast and in life, you know, That's people cool. around me in my community and so on. Mm-hmm. So I did feel with your because I'm all about the energy, Rob, and I did feel your energy was very genuine. But also there was a vulnerability about you that I yeah. also really liked. And even that came across online through your posts. So. Let's go back to the, we'll always go back to come forward, but let's go back to young Rob, because, you know, when you're saying you had painful struggles and adversities for over three decades, uh, you know, what age are you now, Rob? I am at the moment, I've just gone 34. 34, um, so I was going to say. I can't yeah. believe it, it's flying along. Uh, oh my God, it absolutely does fly. Because three decades is most of your life, so it's a long time to be struggling and to, you know, even saying the word adversity, many people will say, well, what does that actually mean? Because adversity means lots of things to different people. But let's go back to young Rob and tell us a little bit about you and your story. Um, so, yeah, it's I, I, as I said, like the first from, I'd say, the, before the age of 10 up until the age of 18 would have been where it kind of started. Um, there would have been a lot of, of course, like anybody that's been through trauma, some painful experiences, some uh, difficult times, maybe kind of unsafe environments. And that led to an effect on me personally. And of course, over time, that that built up and it developed into what we now call as a, a label anxiety disorder, um, depression, all of these things. Um, I think... Early on, I, I never kind of uh, had a label for it. So on, in one way, it was kind of a bit challenging. I always thought, why have I no energy? Why am I always worried? Why do I never feel safe? When I went to school, I kind of brought a lot of that pain from home with me. Um, so I kind of was isolated, especially in national school. Um, as things develop on, I guess, there's more and more pressures to be normal. And I never really felt that. So... Um, when I got into secondary school, it kind of got a bit worse. Uh, and then when it kind of came to 18, 19, it, it came to its first major head. 
where I was kind of finally diagnosed and got my first major kind of um, panic episode. And mm-hmm. from there, it kind of developed into later life. But uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell early on. Uh, I was always kind of an overthinker, an overworrier. And I know looking back now, I always was told in school and areas like that, you're just kind of a, an awkward little boy or your you have anger problems you lash out uh, and that's just your personality type and I know education of course like many of us of why that was the case um, how certain experiences early on were starting to mold me and I suppose if I look back now I wish I kind of had a stable kind of elder figure to really speak speak to me about how I was feeling uh, certain behaviors I had and maybe making me aware that it wasn't it wasn't like just me that it was more people out there and that it wasn't something I was stuck with for life um, mm-hmm. so yeah it's that's kind of a brief summary without going into too much personal detail of course about um, yeah. childhood and family and stuff like that mm. And again, you know, trying to, I know myself and I know many people that I've had on the podcast or even clients, we try and box it into just that short paragraph or just, you know, what you've said. And when we know it's so much more than that and anxiety disorder, panic attacks, depression, they are so varied for each person. And one label doesn't fit everybody, you know, that again, it depends on their background you know their community the school the friends everything there's such a huge thing so it's to treat people individually and what their individual needs are who was the first person that you kind of spoke to Rob that you sought help from and that they listened can you remember um so like many uh, men in particular, I'm just going to speak for men on a blanket statement. Like we, we struggle to listen and we struggle to feel heard, especially if we were around environments where we suppressed for our whole childhood and we couldn't really speak up because it was unsafe to do so. Mm-hmm. So there, was, there wasn't many areas beyond kind of sports and things like that. But even at that, like I, I always loved football and I tried to play it, but I, like I was so anxious that I used to like vomit going out before going out onto the pitch um, because the nerves were so. But I think the first person that was like really balanced in their approach to speaking people would have been in secondary school. Um, So we had a guidance counsellor at the time who was an old Olympic boxing coach, a mindset coach, who is now probably known by many people around Ireland as Jerry Hussey. Um, oh yes, Jerry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he would have been our guidance counselor at the time, and he would have been the first person to speak to me with a level of empathy and and kind of make me try to make me aware what I was capable of, no matter my situation and kind of I was a very negative mindset at the time. Of course, I came from a negative mindset environment. So whenever it was came time to looking ahead to my life, what was possible for me, I couldn't see any options because I was pigeonholed into okay, we don't do anything. We're a family of kind of different kind of uh illnesses throughout generations and you're just gonna fall in line with that and, and that's kind of where you're at. And like I've struggled with concentration of course in school. 
um, because anyone that's had anxiety or, or mental issues know that once that brain goes into fight or flight, the logical brain and the information retention, all of that's good stuff. Uh, that just wasn't happening. And I, I used to tell myself daily, my God, like, why can't you take stuff in? Why can't you get more intelligent? Um, I used to call myself stupid all the time. And I thought, sure, none of our family have ever gone to college. None of our family have ever done anything in kind of in my immediate family that was progressed towards something bigger. It was just kind of get a job. We kind of survive. Um, and he would have been the first person that kind of spoke to me with a bit of hope. Um, so I'd say, yeah, it kind of stuck me. And I'm looking back now, he definitely did, did have an impact. Um when I finally decided to get help. Yeah, well done. Yeah, again, I always say there is some people in our lives, you know, they mightn't have been personal friends or anything good, but it could be a teacher or guidance counsellor or somebody that just listened, that noticed you, that noticed how you were feeling, you know, without you having the emotional intelligence maybe or how to express it in terms that, you know, you even understood, don't mind somebody else understanding, excuse me, how you felt. But from that, you know, even that little inkling of somebody listening to you or that little inkling of hope, did it have an effect on you going forward or did you, you know, was the negative mind always taking over? You know, when did you find, did you ever, I should ask, really, was there a time kind of after that that you said, you know, maybe I could, maybe I could go on and do something for myself? Um, to be honest, up until the age of, of 30 and no um and because i think you're you are a product of your environment so i kind of was in i stayed living at home and then kind of was diagnosed after the first initial episodes i went to live in canada with my aunt um and that was seen as like a maybe you just need to change the scenery maybe it's just a phase that that you're going through at the time um so it kind of went from one struggle to another, kind of gain a bit of relief for a brief period, then go back to like daily hourly panic attacks. Like at times I was in housebound for like weeks on end, Get like getting into a supermarket was a dream for me. So mm-hmm. um, kind of making something bigger on my life. Like my only goal was that, Jesus, if I could have a day of peace, that would make me very, very happy. Um, as I said, at one stage, my goal was to make it into to Aldi, uh, to walk around and, and not collapse. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my, my goals were, were never like, they were very kind of pigeonholed into small steps. And I was a very, very negative person. Like, looking back now, it was always beyond glass fast empty. It was... Mm-hmm. Um, just everything people would ask me, listen, the capable of this or certain like I would have friends in school and I would go to their households and of course maybe someone would give me a compliment and I just I'm like, What? What is that? Like um so yeah, it's it's it kinda took a while for the balance to kick in and that was just putting myself in the right environments and pushing myself outside of um the areas of comfort, what which I thought were keeping me safe, but really they were keeping me in that state of mind for life. Mm. You know what? 
and listen to you. And I know there's many people that listen to the podcast and they're going through maybe the same experiences that you've had in your life and the same as myself, because <clears throat> I'm very open. I always say that I let it all out um, and yeah. because there's no point trying to hide it any longer. And I think I don't know about you, Rob, but I think when you say it out, it's kind of a sense of relief going, I don't have to pretend anymore, you know, because this mm-hmm. is just who I am, you know, mm-hmm. and we don't have to pretend to be whatever normal is because you know I again I go that's just another label of what we're supposed to be you know and normal can mean many things to many people and I think we're all amazing you know even when we're struggling we're still doing our best even if you are locked away in a room for a few weeks you know you're still trying to survive and get through each day so Rob you said up until the age of 30 what changed when you were 30 um so I was in a relationship at the time I finally um I think it was the first time I ended up in a hospital environment so I was in there for a period of three months the first time um just to kind of keep the panic attacks at a manageable level trying to reduce kind of uh different areas of medication and stuff like that so I met um the first love of my life uh Mm. the first person that showed me kind of what that felt like to have mm-hmm. someone support you, uh, be really honest with you, uh, be open. Um, because for many years, of course, when you were in that state, you block people out. Like, um, we met, we both met at a kind of challenging time for for both of us. And I think having that sense of love, and then the old kind of wounds coming back to haunt me that I hadn't been given the tools to deal with, they they started to show in my coping mechanisms during the relationship as soon as the kind of uh, a kind of honeymoon period ended the um, those old traits came back and unhelpful kind of patterns that I had from when I grew up and, and areas like that but of course that ended and I think that was the the biggest blow probably of the whole the whole 20 years before that um Previously, of course, I was always in pain, but I, I always had that, okay, if I'm in pain, I can kind of just get through it, survive. But whenever you lose somebody, and that was that kind of first, I felt like that first relationship or interaction with someone in my life that was, it was whole, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the pain of losing that and knowing that I kind of caused it and no one really, there was it was so kind of avoidable. That, that held a lot of regret for me and it kind of put me in a hole for a good like six months to a year before I had a choice to make and I was like okay I'm not just hurting myself anymore I've, I've hurt that person I've also lost that person so like how do I there has to be another way out out of this there has to be other methods to heal to get better that I'm not aware of um, and it turns out there was um, I just had to kind of look outside the help and the health systems that I was currently in, I, I didn't really get any mm-hmm. help or education around how to truly move forward. It was kind of band-aids, as everyone knows. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a kick, really, that I needed. I, like, I always say the most painful experiences that I've had have been the ones that have really pushed me on and made me learn. Like, I had no choice. It, mm-hmm. it could have killed me or it could have saved me in a way and I'm glad it pushed me the other direction well done Rob and I'm always interested 
um, when people say that, you know, what doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, it pushes you on. Isn't that a Kelly Clarkson song, I think? But it's the fight inside of ourselves, Rob. And I want to ask you this question, because this is something I suppose for myself and other people, you know, that have reached the darkest times and have wanted to leave this beautiful planet and all the pain behind. What is it that was calling out to you that even though you were struggling and it was deeply painful for you and losing the love of your life through your own, you know, resistance to change or, you know, unable to understand what you needed to change until afterwards, what was calling out to you? What would you call it yourself that kept you going, even though it was really, really the hardest thing to do? Um, I think learning from others, knowing that there's there's other been other people in pain that have come through. Um, I kind of like it's it's comforting to hear other stories, but mainly what I really learn from is people's methods of doing it. Um, mm-hmm. so at the start when I started making content and how we connected, I was making like videos of what I learned through my own experience and therapy journey, and that is helpful, of course, but. I think what helps other people like me is seeing physical things you can do. So actual things that you're going to support yourself. You're going to actually help yourself because as you know, like the work we did to save ourselves was entirely mm. personal. Like nobody, mm. absolutely nobody's come to save you. No. Um, you have to save yourself and it is, it's sink or swim and we, we do lose a lot of people. And that's one of the re- reasons why I am kind of, delving in to try to help other people is because I have a burning desire to okay it's been a mess like what we've been through is crazy enough pain to last three lifetimes but like what what, what can I use that for mm, and, I love that yeah I really like that yeah because again it's taking yourself out of the victim mentality yeah you know that oh I was dealt a a bad hand of cards or why me, you know, I just say, well, why not? Why mm-hmm. not me? Why not you, Rob? You know, that everybody comes through different things in their lives. It may not have been as severe as many of us and I wouldn't wish yeah. it upon people. But at the same time, for me, life is about really learning through the struggles and the challenges, but also realizing that there's many beautiful moments there as well. Mm-hmm. And one thing you said, Rob, um, you know, it kind of struck a little chord with me when you had your relationship and it was the love of your life and somebody that could see you for you, that loved you for you, even through all that you were going through. And it was nearly almost filling a gap for you, something you were missing within yourself. And I think that's a really kind of a poignant moment, but also to know to others that sometimes we're looking for other people to fix us to make us whole and it's great while it's great but then when it's over the gap is there again and the gap has got a bit bigger because now we realize oh that person filled it for a short while yeah now they're gone now I have to look at it again what am I going to do and I call them the invisible wounds Rob you know that you said we can patch them over other people can help us to you know, fill them up for a little while, but until we actually go into those invisible wounds and, you know, treat them with love and kindness and compassion, they're always yeah. going to stay open. Would you agree? Yeah, like um, 
as I said, when I when I met her at the time, it was kind of off. This is my cure. I'm just after coming out of hospital. Hospital, I was told it was going to be my cure. Like going in there, I actually came out worse than I went in. But, uh, you meet someone and you're like, okay, this is exactly. I have this happiness. I've this. I feel whole. Like, um, this is my the cure to my disorder or whatever mm-hmm. I was told I had. Um, and then kind of from there, it's you do realize once that kind of once challenges start to arise because challenges will arise for everyone's life like in every relationship you have every job you have there's always going to be challenges come up and then that's where you see the progress you've made um at that stage i hadn't done any any therapy i hadn't i didn't even know about therapy or mm. how good it was um so yeah it, it did hold a mirror up to what was left and what really needed to start to be un- unraveled um so we all we all think we all like we're all guilty of it. Even people that haven't been through the worst, like we think if we get this job, that'll make us happy. If I travel the world, that'll make me happy. Mine was if I ever get to Canada, I won't be anxious anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have this new relationship. I met the love of my life. That'll make me happy. No, it just it just ends up coming back to you, and and mm-hmm. you're you're you come down to a a hard landing. Yeah. So you land hard and you decide to get back up again. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, that's the courage and the bravery, you know, that it would be easier to stay down there, we think, you know, and to stay stuck and not have to deal with. Because sometimes it's harder to deal with what's going on inside and to face yourself. And I like the way you said it, it's holding a mirror up to yourself and really looking really deep within, looking at yourself and how you're reacting. But again, for people that are listening, you know, that like you, Rob, you know, if you don't know any different, you don't do any different mm-hmm. until you realize it. And sometimes it does take years. I have met people in their 70s that have come to me and they're only starting to deal with the issues they have faced all their lives. Yeah. So you thinking you were old at 30. Hello. You know, they mm-hmm. said, that's I young know. lad. Sure wasn't he mighty to find out at 30. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you looking at yourself now, you know, and it's only four years kind of later. But in those four years, what have you learned about yourself that's amazing? Um, the power we all have in ourselves. Like it's yeah. it's phenomenal. Like to heal ourselves, to come past certain areas that we're struggling with, to affect our body in different ways. Like for me it would have been my nervous system, but even like physical body and my job and personal training, like watching people in different aspects reach certain areas kind of I worked in a previous employment that was around the kind of injury rehabilitation and I seen people in pain for years and then watching through the methods of my old employer of looking at things in a holistic point of view and when they started to become more mentally secure a kind of release old blockages all of a sudden their injuries were gone. So they're like physically healing themselves, like like proof is in the pudding. And I couldn't believe it. Um that Jesus, we have so much power. It is hard work, like it, like don't get me wrong. I I never want I want to always come across as someone to, who did it arseways for like twenty years. Um you can learn for how I did it wrong. Like I'm not an know it all. Um I don't have everything cracked. Um 
but I want to give hope to people that Jesus, like you can keep battling on. There is avenues out there. You have a lot more power than you think, especially with uh, with anxiety and, and things like that. Mm. So yeah, that would have been the one thing to realize that I had it within me. I just needed to learn certain tools from other people who yeah. were a bit more intelligent at the time. And not that they were even more intelligent. I think they just found the tools a bit earlier and put them into practice. Yeah. And then they're showing people the same as you are now. Look at this works. You know, this worked mm. for me. It may not work for you, but try this. Or here's some person over here. Maybe they can help you with what's going on for you. Yeah. And again, I think that's what we're all doing. And for me, it's about the knowledge that we learn through our adversities and our challenges. And even through the great times, whatever we learn, it's to share it. You know, and it doesn't make me bigger or better than anybody else. It just makes me who I am and happy to be me now, the same as you're happy to be you. And that we're saying this is what we did. And it doesn't make us better than anybody. I'm always saying that to people. I'm the same as everybody else. We still have struggles and challenges in our lives. But now we have tools to help us to come out of the slump a little bit quicker, if that makes sense. So what are the tools, Rob, that have helped you the most in your own healing and feeling balanced and aligned within yourself? Um, I think kind of trying to get away from outthinking my problems, as particularly my, my anxiety and panic attacks. I always thought the more I fight and the more I kind of logically think about it, the more I, I overcome these kind of demons in my head. And when I kind of learned a bit more about tuning in and kind of listening to my body. So obviously all the symptoms of anxiety were in my body. So if it kind of it makes sense that if I'm going to find the answers, I'm probably not going to find them up there in the monkey brain mm -hmm. because it's in fight or flight all the time. It's not thinking correctly. If, if I kind of start listening to the signals in my body, what's it trying to tell me? Um, why have I discomfort in certain areas? Um, so that was really one, like it's like physical. I'm, I'm probably someone as well that I've always, even in school, physical actions is what always helped me. So when I was in school, I enjoyed PE, I enjoyed woodwork, I enjoyed languages because I was speaking with other people. Um, being kind of stuck on my own head, like reading all the books in the world of what anxiety is, it, that didn't help me. Like, awareness is great but if you have all the awareness in the world but if you don't have any kind of tools to kind of put into place then it's just knowledge you know um yeah. so yeah very like, important really important point and i'd say that because i have lots of people that said they've read every book under the sun and i'll say oh so what did you take from each book and put into practice <laughs> and they're going yeah. well nothing i thought by reading it it would i'd be fixed i'm going no <laughs> you can read a million books but until you put something into practice. So I like that, what you said as well, which is really important about the physical signs. And I would always have said that our physical pain is usually starts with something that's mental and emotional, you know, root cause of it. So for you then, the personal, being a personal trainer, but, you know, your own training for yourself, did it really help you to get into the physical exercise or how was it? Was it tough kind of starting out and kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Motivating yourself or to stay determined. 
Yeah, that's that's funny you ask that because that's something I probably differ from a lot of people in kind of uh, my opinion of it. So obviously being a, a PT, training for years, even in my worst periods of anxiety, training did give me like that hour of relief where I got out of my own head. But I was kind of always taught the very simplistic view of things of if I just move daily, if I just uh, get a good job, if I drink water, if I eat healthy, that's the only things I can do really to manage my mental health. And when I started learning a bit more about the nervous system and then understanding why in certain ways, weight training in the gym can be can be very triggering uh, in terms of your anxiety. I often left feeling a lot worse than I went in. And I often went into the gym with a very kind of headphones in, throw around the weights, a kind of a way of releasing rage. It was very, um, very lonesome as well. Mm. I'd often go in on my own, headphones in. So in many ways, it was a thing that I was told that's one of the main cures or one of the main things you're just going to keep it at a manageable level. But I became too reliant on it and almost obsessive over it. So as we know, with physical training, people often go in with a lack of confidence. I was no different. Like I was very self-conscious over my body, um, very insecure in myself. So whenever I felt never enough, like the gym environment becomes of what progress do you make in? That's kind of never enough. And then it's kind of a physical, like looks aesthetic process that can become it can veer into more harmful than good mm. so that's what i always tell clients now to just be wary what you ask for like and start to enjoy the process because if you don't enjoy that and you start looking at purely physical goals or a way to battle the demons up there that's it's not going to be your be all in and all like very good yeah i really like that because it is a thing as well. And we see that, I suppose, more now because of social media and on Instagram and all of the places, you know, that people are posting pictures of themselves and their fine bodies that are built up and tanned and muscled. And you look at them and go, oh, Jesus Christ, I'll never look like that. So it's yeah, a comparison, yeah. you know. And I think that's another thing is that we're looking at different people in different lives. But I always say they're always just showing you the best sides of themselves and that a lot of those people could be so insecure in their bodies. They're going in, they feel good in that moment, and then they come away. And maybe, as you said, they're not where they want to be. They didn't lift the weights they wanted or their bodies and the shape that they saw somebody else and they'd like to be like that. So how would you then as a personal trainer say, I came to you now and I'm really struggling with my physical body um it's not about weight but i just don't like it so there's a different thing going on there um also yeah. suffering with anxiety not confident lack of self-belief and i was told by the doctor to go and get some training in because it would help me and i'd be cured <laughs> simple as and that, look so. fabulous and look fabulous rob <laughs> uh, give me two weeks simple as that yeah <laughs> um that's a great question so the number one thing, no matter what your goal is, if your goal is physical in terms of changing how your body looks, your confidence levels, if it's performance related um, or if it's to build muscle or anything like that, um, 
if you are highly stressed and you're going into that state in a highly stressed um, mindset, you're kind of thinking towards the end goal and, and kind of treating like a punishment, you will, ne- you will never get the results you're looking for. Uh, trust me, I, I've seen hundreds of not more uh, examples of people um, and how it affects the body. So number one, the number one thing when we start to coach people in, in terms of their nutrition, believe it or not, first two questions we ask them is how much sleep are you getting? How much water are you drinking? And your daily stress levels. Mm. So your daily habits. It's not what you eat. It's not how many training sessions you do. Because I could have you come in and I could train you with the best program in the world, the best sessions in the world. You could eat a thousand calories a day. But if your body's highly stressed, if your nervous system is out of whack, your sleep is off, if your body's just running on cortisol all the time, your body doesn't perform it like your digestive system doesn't perform correctly when you go in and try and lift weights all of a sudden you feel tired all the time your muscles contract obviously when you get anxious um there's a lack of blood flow so if you don't kind of nail the basics it's kind of nearly lifestyle coaching a lot of in a lot of cases now before before you even get to training so anytime a friend like i I don't take people online but i've coached a lot of people to goodwill and I say, listen, I'll give you as much as I can. It doesn't cost me to give you information. But the number one thing I can sense is that the first session I brought you in, you were full of anxiety. You were looking at yourself in the mirror. Your self-talk was off, which yeah. you couldn't do this or that. Like you have to restart reframing that. Because That's brilliant. nothing in your body is going to change until you start reframing that. Brilliant. I love and so important. I'm so glad that you said that, Robin. I think, again, a really important message because we have a lot of people that are younger than us that are going in and they're trying to have the Instagram body for the full show and they're still going home unsatisfied with who they are, how they're feeling. And the gym didn't fix it because their body's not perfect. But there's so much more going on there. And absolutely, the sleep is the biggest Oh, my God. So huge. You know, I would say for everybody, if you don't get your good amount of hours of sleep and it'll it'll vary for different people. But I would say if you don't get at least eight hours sleep at night, you're not going to be able to function properly the next day. And of course, you're not going to be able to think clearly all of those things. Your body doesn't work as well. So it's huge part of your life, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It controls a lot of your hormones, of course, cortisol and adrenaline, but also your hunger hormones, um, all of these things. So like like how your body performs, how you digest food, your cravings, of course, it's all got to come into play. So, yeah, this, it's, it is the number one thing people need to be aware of first. And it is quite hard. I know it's hard because like I'll have someone come in. Um, I had a girl recently that I was trying to help and. She was just, her self-talk was just like, all. Oh, I'm in terrible shape. This is going to take me forever. And she wasn't really enjoying any of the sessions. And that. like, I'm very creative. Like, I, I can train anyone to kind of, what do you enjoy? But she wasn't finding joy in anything because she was just thinking about how she looked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, if you don't start to enjoy the process, it is a slow the slow burner like you can go on a course crash course you can get surgery you can get all these things but um 
those quick fixes tend to rebound back. Well, again, you're all you're doing is covering up, aren't you? What's really going on inside of yourself, you know? And again, yes, if anybody wants to do that off with them, but I'll say it's still going to be underneath. You're still going to be holding on to the pain of what you believe you are or you are not. And but I love the way that you would deal with a new client coming, you know, and that you ask those questions and you notice the self-talk because that to me is hugely important. I'm not saying that not all personal trainers do that, but I know from some people that have been to different places and it's all about just the end goal and pushing them to the extreme and then they fall flat in their face at the end of it because it's not how they expected it to be or they're not looking like they thought they would look like the picture of the model, the male or female model that was in a magazine that they were trying to imitate almost, you know, I think it's first and foremost is to say to yourself, this is who I am. Yeah. This is who I one am. Of, yeah. One of the, the, the big things anytime, like I never, I don't promote, as you know, I don't promote myself in terms of fitness in terms of, I have my job, I have my clients. Um, I, I, Urge anybody, if you're going out to employ someone, don't look at this person has PT course or whatever else done. Like, like look at their background a bit more because I've done the PT course and I learned absolutely nothing in it. Um, yeah, it's it's just basic it's basic knowledge and it's just scratching the surface. The body is, uh, as you know, it's a holistic, it's a holistic mm. thing. If you start nailing the, the physical side, and they neglect the mental aspect of it, um, you're only going to get so far. You're going to fall flat in the face. Like, um, mm -hmm. And I, I know a lot of courses will teach, oh, this is how you do a bench press, and this is how you lose weight, calories in, calories out. There's a lot more to the, the yeah. body and the mind yeah. than calories in, calories out. Like, there's uh, a lot more to it. So just be wary of who you employ. Uh, that's all I would say to anybody. Um, and look at their background a bit more. Mm, very good i love that rob so there's probably a little bit of an echo maybe it's just on my side but tell me about self-compassion for rob because it's something that i would say to many people and people say how can i be compassionate towards myself you know they have great compassion for everybody else but when it comes to themselves they find it extremely hard to be kind and compassionate and to have empathy for themselves through those struggles or challenges or adversities. So how is Rob compassionate to himself? Um, I think I've only realized in the, in the last, I'd say, 12 to 18 months that that was the last layer for me. Um, of course, I had all the awareness. I had all the mental health tools to bring myself out of anxious states. But I think learning from my old therapist that the awareness is only one aspect of it. If you don't have the self-compassion after with the awareness, then change never happens. Mm. Like awareness is just, it's just knowledge, you know? That's all it is. Um, so for me, I think that compassion is just baby steps. Like I'm still learning in certain areas. We're all hard on ourselves. We're all like... For me, the, the big thing for me now is regret. Like I'm really, I'm anxious to help as much people as I can, help myself move forward because I feel like I lost, of course, 30 years of my life. 
so I feel a sense of urgency and that can be that can create like a negative kind of a mindset of Jesus you didn't do that this month or you didn't do that this month and pushing pushing myself forward so compassion towards like just little aspects of it and, and that's that's why you do so many practices to come into my body to be present to integrate what I've learned so like I've, I learn a lot from t- speaking to other people I, I learn a lot in therapy but uh, integrating what I learned in therapy comes from practices of grounding myself mm-hmm. whether it be journaling whether it be introspective thinking um any somatic practices really i can kind of sense jesus you're a bit you're a bit harsh on yourself there um and you don't notice that in the moment like or from a a conversation so yeah that's really what it's just baby steps and slowly integrating that into my life and also saying you know and one of the things you said you know the regret yeah I would say to you that, you know, to let that regret go, as I would say to many people, because we can't change the past. We can change nothing about only our reaction to it. So for you, that regret is still holding you hostage, as it is many people. So to let that go. And if you could look back to young Rob, that little anxious lad that was, puke and if he had to go and play a match or wasn't kind of seen at school felt stupid what would you say to him now Rob that's a funny one that's that's um so as you said regret it does hold you back I I used kind of reframing exercises in the last the last few months to a year when I'm doing my own work and I'm looking back I'm using that all as knowledge and all as fuel to move forward in a positive way um, in terms of young Rob, I I think it's all it's always going to be difficult. Like when we look back and we we kind of look at ourselves. Whenever I do, kind of uh, I've done a lot of visual visualization in the last year, looking back at that younger self, physically seeing that person, even giving them a hug mm. when they didn't feel they ever had it. Yeah, that's it. Still can bring me to tears. Like whenever I yeah. when I do those practices. And I don't think that I've spoken to therapists along the way and I'm kind of both in agreement that may never change, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of comforted in that person and just giving that part of myself a bit of love. Um, so like that inner child is always going to be there. It's the funny kind of analogy I learned recently is um, it's like you're on a bus and you have the warrior the anxious self and then you have the authentic self and that you could throw that lad off the bus so you could throw that inner child off the bus and say like listen that was painful that was uh all negative it was like all the lessons i've learned come from that i'm only where i am today i'm only speaking to you because of that i only met the great people in my life particularly in the last three years and then with my ex-partner as well met so many great people from learning from the past, learning from that pain. Um, it's kind of, the pain molded me, but it also, that's the source of my greatest knowledge. It's no, like no course I've ever done in terms of coaching, in terms of mental health and well-being. No course has taught me more than my life experience. Absolutely. And you know what? 
And that is what makes you rob the well-being coach. It is yeah. those life experience. It is the tools you've learned. It is the young Rob that every time that you connect with, that he brings you to tears because you're now taking responsibility for the little boy that felt unsafe. And sometimes that could be hard on you because you feel like, God, am I able to take care of him? You know, but you're well able to take care of him, Rob. That's the thing. You're giving him what he needed all those years ago. And that is probably the most compassionate thing you can do for yourself. And so what if it brings you to tears every time you go and imagine it? It's huge because you've been waiting all your life to feel Mm -hmm. safe. And waiting for somebody to do that for you will always be disappointed, I think. So when we can do it for ourselves, it's huge. And it's a lot of responsibility. But you do it one day at a time and you do your best. And I think you're doing amazing, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, as I said, we talk about tears a lot. And it is like, uh, I don't like to talk about, like, the, the buzzwords at the minute. It's okay for men to cry and all that. But really... Really crying will give you a lot of relief in terms of how you're feeling in your nervous system. And for my whole life, I think even right now, I have a lot of practices that help help me release it, but I could never do it in therapy. I couldn't do it for the first 30 years of my life because, as I said, I developed the safety strategy to keep me safe of being quiet, suppressing not being able to show joy, not being able to cry. I've like, and it used to frustrate me. I'm like, I'm so angry and I want to cry, but I can't do it. So now being able to do it, I think, and having practices that enable you to feel every emotion. Mm. So be it joy, be it happiness. I can feel everything more vividly now. So the fact that I can cry, that's just the yin and the yang. Like that's, that's part of it. Like, so I'm, uh, I'm grateful that that's, helping me like different practices that I've done in the last while have helped me process those emotions uh, and from there I can show up better towards other people like not only the people maybe in coaching and work but also the personal relationships that I have that's I want to have a big impact not only on myself but those select few people that come into my life and really make a difference um, so the only way I can do that is being balanced myself. That means crying. I have to cry. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Let them flow, I do say, Rob. You know, I always say that when you see a child and they feel sad and they don't know why they feel sad, you know, and I'm saying children that are maybe in a balanced home and they just cry and everyone goes, well, why are you crying? And they don't know. But it's okay to cry. But when you learn differently, when you learn to shut up and not cry and don't show your emotions, You've been trained and programmed for, as you said, 30 years and then to retrain your mind and to allow your physical body to express it. It can be hard. But again, there and it is and it's probably a little bit the vulnerability as well, not just for men, for everybody, you know, showing your emotions. But again, you're showing up for yourself, that compassionate person that you are. You want to help others. But again, I always say to people, it has to start with ourselves. We have to be the first one we want to hug before we hug everybody else, you know. I think you're doing amazing. Rob, I'm so glad that I got to chat to you today. And because your posts, as I said, they really kind of 
jumped out at me energetically and that vulnerability without saying it, but you could feel it even from your posts and that you were really trying to be your authentic self and you were showing up as you is the most powerful thing ever. I could see people every day that have everything sussed and they tell you everything, but I'm going, yeah, but who are you really? Yeah. Who are you? You know, I want to see the real person and in my life, that's who I want to meet and I want to connect to real people through my work and through my life always because I can only be me now. I can't put on a pretense any longer because we were pretending long enough, Rob. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel the exact same. Like, it's great to have conversations like this because for me, I I have a burning desire like, like yourself from personal experience. And I do see a lot in the well-being sphere. There's a lot of people struggling out there. But there's a lot of people kind of in this area that see that and to see opportunities to make money and it, it does kill me and I, I find it very hard to bite my tongue. So to meet someone like you, you're the type of person I, I engage with. Um, I'm not trying to connect or grow like LinkedIn profile. I'm trying to meet real people that are in this for the right reasons um, and they're trying to make an impact from their experience. So that's kind of that's why I do it. Like I only I only started this whole journey of Instagram and connecting with people back three years ago when I first started making videos. It was to connect with other people like that time. Um and I'm so glad I did this and met great people along the way. And hopefully, as you said, we can still continue to help ourselves and help others, um, both in our personal life and through work. Absolutely, Rob. Well done. You did mighty. Yeah, perfect. Thanks very much for having me. <laughs> oh, I'm delighted to have you, Rob. Thank you so much. So everyone can connect to Rob or contact him, DM him. You'll have a lot of people maybe DMing you now for the right reasons, Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um on Instagram, Rob underscore wellbeing coach. And is that the best way to contact you? It is, Rob. Yeah, uh, rob.wellbeingcoach, um, you can contact me there. If there's any resources I can have, I'm always open to chatting to people. Like even uh, in terms of the fitness content, I always put out a lot of free stuff. But if anybody's like any questions, even on that kind of aspect of things, I've no problem to to help people. It doesn't give me an enormous sense of joy to throw out free information. So yeah, um, yeah don't don't hesitate to reach out. Brilliant. Rob, thank you so much for your time and for sharing so openly. As always, I appreciate it, you know, because again, for me, it's people sharing their own personal stories and how they've overcome it and how they're dealing with their own lives now. It does give hope to other people. And it's kind of like, well, geez, if they can get through that, maybe I can too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's always hope out there. Never lose. Always. That's it. Keep thank you so much, Rob. Thank you. Keep the faith. That's what Rob said. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And I look forward to connecting to you all again soon.